Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 51 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that we're able to explore the truth uh, of Islam together. And that I'm able to uh, take in all your questions uh, and answer them. Uh, this is all a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And speaking of which, if you have any questions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's start. Uh, uh, let's start in today's topic and um, uh, today's topic we're basically continuing uh, uh, the biography of the Prophet and we mentioned how important it is to uh, learn about him and about his life and about the companions around him too because we consider them as role models you know and when we try to you know they they are the best of Muslims after the prophets and the messengers they are the best in the sight of Allah the same thing like the disciples of, of Jesus Christ, you know, and any any basically helpers or any people who were supporting the prophets and the messengers that were sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are considered to be, again, the best of, 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 of mankind, the best of humans after the prophets and the messengers. Now, today's topic is, is, is we will discuss um, some of the incredible stories uh, uh, of the early converts to Islam, and and again, we don't talk about these things because it's it's a it's a bedtime story, or it's a you know an interesting or an entertaining uh, uh, story, or it's not a historical you know lesson. It's simply because of we learn things from these situations. We learn things from these stories. We learn things from you know those people who were in those stories. Um, that's the whole point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the Quran filled with stories about, you know, previous nations and about situations that happened to the Prophet Sallallahu to, to, to his companions, to Prophet Moses, to Prophet to Prophet Jesus, to Prophet Joseph, to everyone, to, to Adam, to Noah, all these people, all those prophets and messengers, all those stories were, were were told in the Quran for a reason, not for the sake of entertainment, not for the sake of oh well, this is what happened because Allah doesn't do anything randomly, and Allah is not did not send the Quran to humor us in in, in certain you know uh, in 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 pointless stories. No, every single story has a lesson that Allah basically tell us explicitly that we should learn from these stories. And <clears throat> today's um, topic, we'll talk about a multiple stories. Of you know, like I said, early converts to to Islam, uh, and uh, uh, we'll start with uh, again the simplest one. The simplest one is Abu Bakr Siddiq. We said that Abu Bakr Siddiq is the best friend, was the best friend of the Prophet He his story is very simple. The Prophet went to him and told him, "I am a prophet of Allah." He told him the story. He told him the story of you know him meeting uh, Angel Gabriel, Angel Jibril, and he um, told him. What we discussed, you know, before, and uh, Abu Bakr's response was, "I believe in you. I'm gonna follow you. Tell me what to do. Let's get started." You know, no questions asked, no hesitation, because <clears throat> we have to understand every person who believed in the Prophet sallallahu had a, you know, some time to think it over. They had some time to like, you're telling me to basically um, 
wipe out my entire belief. Everything I'm following, my lifestyle, everything you want me to throw it away to believe in your new religion and to believe that you are sent by God. Yeah, I need to sit on this for a little bit. That's what everybody's response was, except for Abu Bakr Siddiq Radilan. You know, now, now that's not even everybody's response. This wasn't the nicest of him. You know, some people put we like we know opposed the Prophet Sallam, they attacked him, and then they came around afterwards. But we're saying the nicest people, even the nicest people, the most of the believers, they took some time to sit on the information that the Prophet Sallam gave him, and then they accepted Islam. But Abu Bakr Siddiq didn't. The Prophet Sallam told him what happened, told him that he's a messenger from Allah. And Abu Bakr Siddiq is like, okay, I am a Muslim. Ashadu anna la ilaha illallah. And ashadu an that you are the messenger of Allah. That's exactly what happened. So that's how, um, and that's why he was mentioned, he was named a Siddiq. <clears throat> By the way, he was named a Siddiq because of this. Siddiq in Arabic means the one who believes. In constant belief, you know, and he's believing the Prophet ﷺ. Everything happened to to the Prophet ﷺ. Never doubted it. Imagine your best friend comes to you and tells you, "Hey, God communicated with me directly with 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 no." Um, he sent an angel, and I met the angel, and you should follow me. That sounds nuts. Now we know this was not this is not going to happen to any of us because we know that the Prophet is the final messenger so this is not going to but imagine if that was not the case would you be like okay great now there's a reason why also uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq believed in the Prophet instantly one of the reasons is the Prophet was known to be trustworthy he never lied a single time in his entire life up until this moment what why would he start now and why would he start with such a crazy lie because if that was a lie that's a, an insane lie it's like bonkers right now we're talking about insane level of lying he's not lying about you know something that's normal he's lying about being a messenger by from god so that's also another reason that abu Bakr knew the prophet pretty well and He's like, yeah, I believe in you, and I believe every word you're saying, and I'm following you, because you never lied before, and I know you pretty well. They're best friends, like I said. So that was the story of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. It's that simple. <clears throat> it was a very simple story. There's no insane, um, but we derive from it again that uh, the Prophet ﷺ, number one, was to, was known to be trustworthy. Some people, even though knowing he was trustworthy, they didn't care because the message that he was um, uh, sending to them was too much for them to just simply believe in right away, you know. But Abu Bakr Siddiq was, and that's why Abu Bakr Siddiq, I mean, all the companions uh, have a special status um, in, in, in the Muslim um in the Muslim uh, history and and in you know in our in our religion, because of how uh, they you know they were um, were able to bear the the torture and able to bear a lot in terms of like tests and trials with the Prophet So again, that's why Abu Bakr Siddiq is the top of the companions, and the Prophet said that. Okay, so with that being said. Let's move on from Abu Bakr Siddiq now, and let's go to uh, um, uh, someone who is uh, uh, the uncle of the Prophet 
His name is Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. Hamza is a man who opposed Islam in the beginning, but he was not hostile towards the Prophet Hamza is known to be brave in an insane way. He's uh, he's so brave. He's so strong. He's like one of the elites of Quraysh. You know, he's not. He never feared anyone, and he was uh, he was to be feared basically by the rest of the people. So one time, Abu Jahl. Remember Abu Jahl? We said he's the ultimate enemy of the Prophet Abu Jahl and, and 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 was talking to Hamza, and Hamza is not a Muslim at the time. And he was telling, complaining to him about the Prophet Sallallahu and he's like, this guy is just, he's, he's going crazy, he's ruining our, you know, culture and society, our religion, he's attacking our gods and so forth. And you know, uh, we need to get rid of him. When Abu Jahl said that, Hamza took it personal. You're talking about my nephew here. You can't mess around. Again, it's, you know, tribalism. You can't talk about my nephew like this. This is like kind of honor. It's, it's about honor now. So Hamza says, you know what? The religion of my nephew is now my religion. Say something, basically. He's like, say something. You know what? I accept Islam. I follow my nephew's religion. Now, when Hamza said that, he actually didn't mean it. He was not convinced that Islam is the true religion. He just said it out of pride to defend the honor of his nephew. So he said, you know, we want to say something now? I'm, a, I'm upon his, his religion. Say something. And even when he said that, even Abu Jahl was like, uh, he's, he doesn't mean it. Maybe I was too harsh. You know, he doesn't mean it. Then Hamza went home. And then he started thinking, what did I do? <laughs> he's like, what did I just do? What did I just say? And I announced to everyone who was sitting, because it was not just them. There was, you know, a group of people. It was like a kind of a meeting. I announced to everyone that I'm a Muslim now. And I can't back, you know, I can't get back. I can't like back down now. I can't go say, you know what? No, not anymore. Because now what will people say? Then he made dua to Allah. We believe that even the people, the pagans believed in Allah, right? Uh, ultimately. So he made dua to Allah. He said, Allah, if Islam is the true religion, soften my heart towards it. Make me accept it fast. And if it's not, kill me now. <laughs> Basically, cause me to die because I won't be able to face people uh, if I told them that, you know, I'm not a Muslim anymore, even though I just told them that I'm a Muslim officially. So he made that dua to Allah, right? Then he went to Prophet Muhammad. Prophet Muhammad was giving a kind of private session about, you know, Islam and, and teaching people about the religion of Islam, teaching them the Quran and Hamza knew. So he went, knocked on the door. And he told him exactly what happened. He said, listen, my nephew, I, I, I didn't mean to say that, but I said it and now I'm confused. I don't know. Should I follow you? Should I follow this religion? I don't know. I didn't die. I asked Allah if, if, if this was a false religion, kill me now. I didn't die. So I'm confused. You tell me. That's basically what happened. And the Prophet ﷺ smiled and then started preaching Islam to him, started telling him, you know how the, the the logic of Islam and how it's logical that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one and he does not need any other entity uh, to be his associate or you know like to help him he does not need any you know uh, he has to be worshipped alone and he started telling him about paradise and about hellfire and all these things and as soon as the Prophet finished the preach, preaching 
Hamza felt that Islam entered his heart for the first time. He, he accepted it. He said, Ashhadu anna la ilaha illallah and ashhadu an that you are the Prophet of Allah. Oh, I bear witness that Allah is the only God and I bear witness that you are his messenger. Right away. He believed in him, you know, even though, you know, it took a while, but he still believed in him because he felt that it makes sense. Islam makes sense at the time. And Hamza became a very important victory for the Muslims. Again, we said Hamza is a bit, one of the big guys. Hamza is like one of the elites. So him accepting Islam is a big deal to Muslims. Him accepting Islam is a big deal. It's a huge victory. You know? Let's come to my favorite, one of the, my favorite stories about, you know, uh, early converts to Islam, which is the conversion story of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab is a very, he is the second in command after Abu Bakr. He's the second to rule the Muslims after Abu Bakr ruled him right after the death of the Prophet. So the, 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 after the death of the Prophet, Abu Bakr ruled the Muslims. Then Umar ibn Khattab ruled the Muslims after Abu Bakr. But Abu Bakr was not an easy uh, person when it, come, when it came to Muslims. He hated Islam so much. Umar ibn Khattab was as dangerous, I don't want to say dangerous, but was, was as... Uh, Less, a little bit less bad than uh, uh, um, than Abu Jahl. So Abu Jahl is the ultimate enemy. Umar ibn Khattab did not stoop into dirty tactics, but he was um, a fierce enemy to Islam. He hated Islam. He hated the Prophet He hated the Message. He hated everything, right? And he was known to be very harsh person. Person. He was not soft, and he was known to be. Bold basically He does not care He would tell you How he feels And he doesn't care Who you are So he was one of the The toughest people Against Islam So the Prophet Made dua He said Oh Allah Gift me Either Umar ibn al-Khattab Or Abu Jahl Whoever you think Will be better for the Muslims Whoever you like more Make him Gift me meaning Make, make him a Muslim So he can be my ally That's basically What gift me him uh, meant make him my ally make him a muslim right after a while Umar ibn al-Khattab was drinking he used to love to drink you know before Islam and uh, he went to his drinking buddies and he couldn't find them they were busy so he's like you know what uh, it's night time if I'm not drinking let me go pray by the Kaaba right so he went to pray again he went to pray to the to the gods and and you know so forth and then he found the Prophet it was nighttime, right? There was nobody around the Kaaba, it was like pretty dark. But then he found the Prophet, he heard the Prophet uh, 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 reciting the Quran by the Kaaba. She's like, Great, <laughs> now it's the time. Now is the time. I'm gonna beat him up and I'm gonna get this over with. I want he's no one will know. Because again, everybody did not want to be like did not want to fight the Prophet physically because of his lineage, his family. You know, he still has a family name that nobody could. That's why his uncle remained a pagan until he died because of that. One of the reasons, of course, because of protection. So it's like it's nighttime; they'll never know it's me. I'm just gonna beat him up so badly. Then he started walking towards the Prophet from behind, and then the Prophet uh, was reciting. Uh, the chapter of Haqqa, Surah Al-Haqqa. <clears throat> so, 
He's like, and he paused for a little bit. He heard the Prophet Sallallahu reciting the, the chapter. And then he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in these verses, the, it's, it's a pure prophet, a generous prophet, you know, that was sent, uh, a general messenger that was sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you your message. So Umar ibn Khattab, said to himself ah, this is just uh, he's a poet he knows how to you know put words together even though our processism was illiterate right but they said he's a poet he it's okay he, he I mean this is the land of poets so he's probably a poet then now Umar ibn Khattab is talking to himself then the Prophet continues to recite the surah, right? And then the next verse says, So Allah responds to Umar while the Prophet is reciting the Quran through the Quran. Because the next verse that the Prophet is reciting, he's saying what? This is not the words of a poet. The Prophet did not see Umar ibn Khattab, by the way. He was reciting what basically was being revealed to him, right? What was revealed to him. Surah Al-Haqqa, the chapter of Haqqa. And it was not a coincidence that in that chapter was all the answers that Umar ibn Khattab asked himself. Then he said, oh, you know what? He's probably like a monk or like a priest. He does some sort of like voodoo stuff. Then what is the next verse? وَلَا بِقَوْلِ كَاهِنْ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Allah is, again, respond as if Prophet as if the Prophet can see Umar, but he can't. And the Prophet is so deep into salah, right? Into prayers. And he's responding to all the questions that are coming through Umar's head. So Allah is saying he's not a priest. He's not a monk. He doesn't do any voodoo stuff. Then Umar ibn Khattab said, so what is this? <laughs> what is this? What, what, what are these words? So Allah answers again. Using the verses, Tanzilum min Rabbil Alameen. These are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know? So uh, so then he he says, So what if look this is all again going in through the head of Omar? What if this Muhammad guy changes the words of Allah? Okay, he's saying that, okay, he's reciting, he's saying that this is the word of Allah, okay. What if he again this he's asking himself? What, what what are the odds? And this is, by the way, a question that people modern time ask. What are the odds that he could change some things? Some verses he doesn't like, he could change them, right? Then Allah also says, again, continuing the same chapter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically said, if he modifies this Quran, you know, if he tries to, th- if he thinks for a second that he could edit the Quran, we'd destroy him. Now, Allah loves the Prophet in an incredible way. But Allah is Allah. If you try to manipulate the text, I will destroy you. Because this is the text of Allah. Now, the Prophet never tried because he was almost, he's the most honest human being ever. And he, his job was to reveal the Quran as it was revealed to him. But Allah is assuring us, I'm Allah, I'm in control of things. If the one that I'm sending tries to manipulate the text, he will be done. 
He will be destroyed. And Umar ibn Khattab felt weird. He felt weirded out. He's like, why is he answering everything in my head? He walked away immediately. He felt so weirded out by this. He's like, this is very strange. But also at the same time, this is when his heart started to understand a little bit about Islam. Then one time, Umar ibn Khattab's uh, sister, uh, her name was Fatima. This is the different from the Fatima of, of the Prophet, uh, the daughter of the Prophet Her name was also Fatima. She accepted Islam. Her and her husband accepted Islam, and they were, you know, reciting Quran in their own house. And then there was a gathering again, Abu Jahl and Umar ibn Khattab and a, a couple of pagans, you know, and they said, you know what? I'm gonna. Abu Jahl said, I'm gonna offer you tons of money, camels, you know, and, and a lot of money. If you somebody right now takes their sword, not caring about lineage, not caring about anybody, and go and kill the Prophet, kill Muhammad. Ibn Khattab said, That's it. All right. Again, like we said, he doesn't fear anyone. He took his sword and he started walking the street. And one of the secret converts, someone who you know privately, secretly converted to Islam, met him in the street. He knew him. So he said, "Oh, Omar, where are you going?" Okay, now he got concerned. That person got concerned. He's he's a, he's a he's a, a Muslim now, right? And he saw Omar, and he, who he knows hates Muslims and hates Islam and hates the Prophet ﷺ, holding his sword, going somewhere, and seems to have you know something bad is about to happen. She so asked him, "What's going on?" And he said, "I'm gonna go finish this Muhammad guy. I'm done with this uh, drama. I want to end this whole you know uh, thing about him being a prophet and this new religion and whatnot." So the guy now is trying to do anything to, you know, distract Omar. So he says, well, didn't you hear? Your sister is a Muslim now. And Omar gets shocked. Now, the guy did not try to throw the sister under the bus. He was protecting the Prophet ﷺ, but he didn't know what else to do. So he said, go talk to your sister, man, first. Fix your own house. And then, you know, go attack that, uh, that Muhammad guy Now he's not He's pretending to not be a Muslim Right He's like Oh I heard that your sister Is a Muslim now Go talk, go fix your house first now Before declaring war So Omar Again holding his sword Goes to his sister's house Then w- Before he knocks on the door He hears her And her husband Reciting Quran Same thing Same kind of melody That he heard Not the same surah Not the same chapter But the same kind of melody That he heard When he was standing behind The Prophet At night <clears throat> so he hears them, you know, reciting to Quran. So he knocks on the door. Now they hide because they had the Quran written on like some rocks or some. There was no paper then, you know, like some scripture kind of, you know, rocks, some, you know, whatever. Uh, but there was no paper, so they kind of hide. They were like hiding whatever that was, you know, could point anybody that there was Quran here in the, in the house. So they hid it somewhere. Whatever the thing that they were reading from Quran, and then they opened the door, and Omar is like, well, "What? What was that? What was that sound that you guys were making? What was that chanting?" And then Fatima and her husband were like, well, "What are you talking about? Mm, there was nothing going on here, <laughs> you know." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. I know you guys are reciting the same things that Muhammad does by the Kaaba. I know he recites the Quran by the Kaaba. Tell me where it is." And then they said, no, 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 you guys are mistaken. So he gets so angry. Then he tries to punch uh, his brother-in-law, basically his, his, uh, his sister's husband. He tries to punch him in the face, but then Fatima, his sister, blocks uh, the punch and she, by standing in front of her husband. And she takes the punch herself. And then they say that her face started bleeding. And then when her face started bleeding, she got angry, her husband got angry, and they said, yes, we are Muslims and do what you please. 
We're not afraid of you. And Omar at this moment, he got shocked because first of all, he did not mean to punch his sister, but it happened. Um, and then uh, he didn't know what to do or what to say. So he stopped and, and, and then he saw that they were angry at him. And he said, give me, give me that thing that you guys were reading from. I, I want to know. I, I want to read it. And then they were like, no. He's like, just I want to read it. Let's not talk about this. I want to read it right now. He was like really curious now. So they said, go make wudu, go clean yourself because you're not allowed to touch the Quran while you're, you know, filthy and impure. So Omar goes and he cleans himself and he starts looking at whatever the scripture that they had. Then Omar ibn Khattab reads the, the, the scripture and the text basically. And it's not, like I said, it's, it was not the same as the one he heard the Prophet saying or reciting. <coughs> Uh, but again, the words of the Quran entered his heart. He, you know, it made more sense to him, you know. So he said, where is Muhammad right now? I want to know where he is. So when when uh, when his brother-in-law and his sister saw that he, he was like, you know, calm down, they said, well, he is in that place where he preaches, which was called Dar al-Arqam, the house of Arqam, which basically a place where they all gathered, you know, privately to preach Islam. It was in downtown Mecca. <coughs> basically hiding in plain sight um and then he went there still holding his sword right not for anything he just you know he was you know caught up in the moment so he knocked on the door and while the prophet was there with the rest of you know the early converts and hamza now his uncle was with them so someone looks through the door and he's like oh omar is outside omar ibn khattab is outside and he has his sword what are we gonna do and everybody, like I said, used to be scared of Omar except for the Prophet and Hamza now. Hamza is also one of those fearless people in Mecca. So Hamza goes, open the door. Hamza, the uncle of the Prophet, he's like, open the door right now. If he came to talk, then maybe today is going to be a good day. But if he came here seeking violence, then he will die with his own sword, by his own sword. That's basically what Hamza said. Hamza was the only one who's like, again, what the Prophet said. So <clears throat> they opened the door, they surround him <laughs> because, you know, they were like trying to, you know, contain him. They take the sword from him, they walk him, you know, they accompany him inside, and they, you know, take him to the Prophet. And then the Prophet stands up and he wants, he goes, he walks towards him and he grabs him so hard. The Prophet is not scared of him, you know. Prophet was never scared of anyone, which is, you know, we talked about this too, how brave the Prophet was. And he said, Omar, what do you want? In a very uh, sharp, loud voice, yelling at him, what do you want? While he's, you know, grabbing him. And Omar said, I came here to testify that Allah is one and you are his messenger. Simple. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahu Akbar. And we all know the word Allahu Akbar is not like, you know, the media use. You know, it's when you hear good news or anything, it means Allah is great. This is all happening because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we say Allahu Akbar. It's a kind of joyful uh, word or, or, or like phrase that we Muslims use. And it's recommended when something good happens, you know. So he kept saying Allahu Akbar. Everybody knew that Umar ibn Khattab converted now. And here's the funny part. When Umar ibn Khattab converted, <laughs> so you can see how uh, fearless he is, he went to Abu Jahl straight up. He's like, you know what? Nobody's going to tell anybody. I'm just going to go to Abu Jahl straight up. He goes to Abu Jahl, the one who, you know, the ultimate uh, enemy of Islam. He knocks on his door. 
So Bujal opens the door. He's like, "Hey, my old, hey, my friend, how are you? Uh, you want help? Do you need me to do something for you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm just came here to tell you that I became a Muslim, and now I follow the new religion of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam." And Abu Jahl got so freaked out, and he got so angry. And of course, again, this is Omar ibn Khattab. He can't. All he said is he shut the door in his face because he can't do anything more than that to Omar. And he says, "May Allah, may God's curse be upon you." And he got mad. And Omar was smiling. He was basically rubbing it in his face. And then Omar asked around the town. He's like, who is the worst gossip? Who is like the craziest gossiper in town here? So they pointed out to someone. And he went to him and he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. <clears throat> Don't tell anybody, huh? Of course, Omar is telling him this so he can tell everybody. He said, I became a Muslim now. And before Omar left <laughs> this guy's you know, house... The guys ran in the streets and he said, Sabah Omar, Sabah Omar. I mean, Omar converted from paganism and now he's Muslim. You know, and he was telling everyone. So that shows you that when you are upon the religion of truth, you should fear no one but Allah. Now, that doesn't mean be uh, irrational and, you know, go and do crazy stuff. No, 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 no. Just the whole fear, concept of fear itself, you should only fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, so... Up until this point, no one was able to pray by the Kaaba except for the Prophet No one could have touched the Prophet No one can touch him, like we said. And he was not scared of anyone. But no other companion, no other early Muslim was able to pray next to the Prophet they could, Oh, Now again, prayer was not obligatory. You guys have to understand this. For the first 10 to 13 years, prayer was not obligatory at all. Prayer became obligatory. We'll get to the night of, of, of the, the journey of the night and ascension. And we'll talk about that. This is one of the biggest miracles after the Quran that the Prophet had, had received. So up until this point, those who want to pray, prayer was voluntarily basically. So if you want to volunteer to pray, you can. It's, it's optional. So if you wanted to pray, you have to pray in your house because you could be done, murdered. Right, So the Prophet uh, um, was the only one praying at this point. So Umar ibn Khattab looked and he said, it's time for all of us to go pray now by the Kaaba. And then they were led, the Muslims were led by three. The Prophet of course, in, in the front. Now you have behind him Umar and Hamza, the most two of the elite, the most fearless of Quraysh. They were, <laughs> you know, and people respected them and feared them like nobody else. Now, Abu Bakr Siddiq was from the elite too, but he was a the very kind heart. He was a very, you know, soft heart. You know, that was known about Abu Bakr Siddiq. He was not one of those like, you know, strong, like harsh, you know, uh, characters. He was very soft. So that's why Omar is the one who initiated it with Hamza. They both walked and they led the Muslims and they performed the first public prayer in front of everyone in Mecca. No one could touch them. No one was able to do anything or even harm them by even a little bit. And again, that shows you, when you are sure about your religion, that will give you courage to do a lot of things. That will give you courage to respond on the behalf of your religion, when somebody attacks it, you respond to them. You tell them, "No, let me let me teach you about the religion." And you taught you. Te you don't. You're not scared. You're not shy of being Muslim. 
And that doesn't apply, by the way, uh, on a religion only. If you believe in anything, 100%, if your belief in that thing is strong, it will give you courage to defend it in all the right ways, you know? <clears throat> so that was the first time that Muslims, and, and afterwards, Omar, one of the, 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 the great things about Omar is Omar was known to be very, very uh, 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 um, passionate about Islam. He became incredibly passionate about Islam. He was, he was very passionate about Islam to a way that the Prophet ﷺ, this authentic hadith, by the way. Speaking about Omar, the Prophet ﷺ said this. He said, if Omar is walking in an alley or in a street and shaitan is flying by that street, shaitan is the devil, right? If the shaitan sees Omar walking in the same alley, walking in the same street, the shaitan will run away and take a different route. Even though Omar cannot see the shaitan, right? He can't see the devil. But because of the faith of Omar, because of the iman that's surrounding him, the faith that's surrounding him, shaitan gets scared of com from coming near him, even though Omar cannot see them. We cannot see jinn, right? The Prophet ﷺ was the only one who was able to see jinn, and some, you know, there are certain, some exceptions, but again, that shows you Allah has blessed him with certain, you know, certain, uh, 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 um, certain things. That he didn't bless anybody, you know, any other, you know, companion. Same thing, Abu Bakr was blessed with some. Everybody had special uh, uh, blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the time of Umar, when, when Muslims were ruled by Umar ibn al-Khattab, right? The, 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 the Muslim country, the Muslim, uh, 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 the Islamic uh, 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 ruling spread in many countries. Many countries. You know, Egypt became an Islamic uh, country in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab. You know, he sent uh, Amr ibn al-As to, you know, to uh, to conquer Egypt and make it, you know, like it's just, Umar was such a powerful figure to Muslims. And one of the beautiful things that Umar made dua, that he would die in Medina and he would die as a martyr as well. So his son was asking him, how, my father? This was when he was, you know, he said, how would you die in Medina? Medina is a peaceful country. You, there's no war happening for you to die as a martyr within Medina. It has to be one way or the other. Either you go to war with the army or you die in Medina. You can't have both. And Umar ibn Khattab basically said, Allah is capable of anything. And guess what? Umar ibn Khattab died in Medina during prayer by a non-Muslim who came to kill him. He came basically to assassinate the leader of the Muslims and he was successful and Allah allowed it to happen so he could give Umar, of course he was caught afterwards, to give Umar the honor of dying as a martyr in Medina during prayers. Subhanallah, this is an incredible story. He asked for it and Allah gave it to him. That's how, uh, how Umar ibn al-Khattab's faith was. It was very strong and when he said something, he truly meant it. Umar ibn al-Khattab is the same one who used to sleep as the ruler of the Muslims under the tree. And then one of the foreigners came to have some sort of, like he was visiting Medina. He said, this is Omar, the guy sleeping under, wearing very modest clothing, not even befitting to a ruler, sleeping under the bed like this, uh, under the tree like this, no bed, nothing on the floor, on the ground. And they said, yeah, that is the ruler of the Muslims. That is Omar ibn Khattab. He said what? This guy had nothing to be worried about. 
Umar ibn Khattab is my dear brothers and sisters is the example of leadership in Islam. <coughs> of course, the Prophet is the ultimate example. But now we're talking about someone who took the mantle from the Prophet ﷺ, not in prophethood, but in ruling the Muslims. And he ruled a country economically, politically, you know, strategically, everything. And he, almost, let me, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I get passionate when I, when I talk about Umar al-Khattab because he's one of my, my role models. Like after the Prophet ﷺ, he's like up there. Like he's the second along with Abu Bakr. Those three to me, again, I respect and I love all the companions. Ali ibn, Ali ibn, Ali ibn Abi Talib, you know, Uthman ibn Affan, all these giants. But Omar, I don't know, I have some something like, when I, the more I, I learn about his life, it's just incredible. Omar used to walk in the street at night as the ruler of the Muslims. This is way after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, to hear if somebody's complaining about not having food or drinks and he heard one time a woman was and this is a very famous story he, she was cheating uh, she was a she used to sell milk and she used to put uh, water in the milk to sell more and then instead of the prophet and uh, umar getting angry at her because again that was being she was not being uh, uh, honest you know this is actually an islamically a problem he blamed it on himself he said if i was a better leader a better ruler that woman would have needed the money to do this can you imagine he blamed himself and he talked to the woman and he settled it and you know he he basically ended this by you know giving the woman enough more money so she doesn't have to do this again that was the type of can you see from someone who hated islam to someone who just does everything for islam Umar ibn Khattab is the same one that he had his, his servant <clears throat> with him. They were going to basically conquer uh, uh, Jerusalem in his time, right? And uh, he after the Muslims won and they took Jerusalem, he was supposed as a ruler to go there and, you know, receive the keys of Jerusalem from the rulers, the current rulers of Jerusalem. So when Umar went to receive the keys to 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 take the keys of Jerusalem so they, they on the way he had his his little you know horse so he would look at this they had one horse him and his servant so he said to his servant i'm going to uh uh ride halfway and then you are going to ride halfway and then when you get tired i'm going to ride halfway and then you're going to so they basically they're going to swap him and, and 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 his servant on the horse his servant said no 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 this is all yours and he said nope that's my decision and i'm telling you this is what's gonna happen so when <laughs> so when they got to the to the to the to the gates of jerusalem and everybody's you know there's a reception and everybody's waiting for omar the ruler of the muslims the servant was the one on the uh, the the horse and omar was the one holding uh, the horse walking and dragging the horse you know to bring it close to the gates and then they thought that the the, the servant was omar and because they never seen omar before and then they thought that you know, uh, Omar was the servant because he was the one, you know, walking on his feet. And then the servant was the one because he got tired. So he's, you know, he was on his horse. And then when they were told that, no, the one who was walking is Omar. He is the leader of the Muslims and that's his servant. They were in shock. They, they were like, could not comprehend. How is this even? What is happening here? Again, that shows you the humbleness, the humbleness and the deep faith that Omar had. Subhanallah. 
So basically, that's that's uh, uh, the story of you know um, three of, of of the companions Abu Bakr Siddiq, Hamza, and Omar. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.